It's crunch time. Get the latest news on the Syracuse Crunch and the next wave of lightning stars. Now, with your host, Lucas Favalli, on Lightning Power Play. Hello again, everybody. Welcome inside Upstate Medical University Arena in downtown Syracuse for another edition of Crunch Time. I'm your host, Lucas Favalli, voice of the Syracuse Crunch. As today on the program, we talk all things Syracuse Crunch Hockey. The Crunch AHL affiliate of the Tampa Bay Lightning. And with only one quarter of the season to go, there's a whole lot to talk about here today on the show. As you know, the trade deadline coming and going earlier this week. On Monday, the NHL's trade deadline taking place. And now for the crunch, only one other deadline to keep an eye on. That's the AHL trade deadline, uh, but not really a whole lot likely coming the crunch's way uh, next Monday when the AHL has uh, the trade deadline for AHL contracts and whatnot. So uh, very unlikely that there are any major moves going on next week, but uh, that is something to keep an eye on uh, moving forward next week. But so much to talk about for the crunch. Great success on the ice. Like we said, the trade deadline taking place, and so a lot of maneuvering for the crunch here over the last 24 hours or so. And really, at the end of the day, the crunch are poised to make a pretty good run here moving forward with, like we said, one quarter of this season to go. Crunch are coming in off of a 3-3 and weekend. Uh, they're third of five this year, and they took five out of six points this past weekend. Pretty good for the crunch. They won uh, two home games and then went on the road on Sunday in Springfield, Massachusetts. They traveled overnight. It's not an easy, uh, no, no 3-3 three and three is easy. Three games and three nights is as difficult as it comes these days in the American Hockey League, especially when you factor in the travel. Yeah, the Crunch played Friday night at home. They beat Cleveland 6-3. to They played Saturday night at home. They beat Lehigh Valley 2-1. to Then, well, there was a jersey auction in the midst of all of that as the Crunch held Pride Night on Saturday night. You may have seen the Crunch wearing those specialty rainbow jerseys, the Pride Night-inspired jerseys. Those were auctioned off, so that takes a little bit of time after the game. Finally, the team was ready to go. They boarded the bus, and they took the three-and-a-half-ish hour trip to Springfield, Massachusetts. Got in around, oh, what, maybe 2 o'clock or so in the morning, a little after 2. And then it's right around for a quick turnaround, a 5 o'clock puck drop on Sunday. So uh, never easy, especially the third game in uh, a row for a team. But the Crunch came out, took a 2-0 lead against Springfield, who is also battling for a playoff spot, uh, but could not hold on to that lead. Ended up going to overtime, and the Crunch lost in overtime. But still, 5 out of 6 points for the Crunch, and points in 9 of the last 10 now for Syracuse, 6-1-1-2. and And for the first time since October 18th, the Crunch are in a playoff position in the North Division, currently entering the week at 26-22, 4-5, and 61 points for the Crunch. So that's obviously good news for Syracuse. We'll dive into what the Crunch are doing here and why they're playing well and what it means moving forward and what they look to continue to do in order to now hold on to that playoff spot. Every team has games at hand on the Crunch, at least one game in hand on the Crunch, uh, but still, Rather be inside the playoff line than outside the playoff line. And right now, the Crunch are in the playoff line, entering the week, a week in which the Crunch only play twice, both at home, Friday against Wilkes-Barre, Scranton, and then Saturday, another big game in the North Division against the Rochester Americans. So we'll get into all of that a little bit later on in the program. First, though, like we said, and as all of you know, trade deadline this week for the Tampa Bay Lightning in the National Hockey League. And really, the last two weeks, the Lightning making a couple of big-time moves. And uh, really, for the most part, the Crunch, you got to be pretty happy. If you're a Crunch fan, uh, it, it, for the most part, team wasn't touched this uh, this uh, trade deadline last uh, two years now. Uh, really, no one getting uh, maneuvered around, really, the last three years, uh, at least that I've been here. No major Crunch pieces on the current team have been moved at the deadline. We know two years ago there was that huge trade with the Lightning and the New York Rangers. Uh didn't go anywhere, obviously, in terms of uh, affecting current crunch players. So that was uh, good news for the crunch two years ago. This year, one trade does send a crunch player out. Anthony Greco, who was just brought in a few days ago. <laughs> it's the way it goes sometimes. Traded to the uh, Florida Panthers 
last week, it was Donick Martell going to the Panthers organization and then going right to Springfield in the AHL. And it was basically an AHL uh, deal with uh, Martell going to Springfield and Greco coming from Springfield to Syracuse. Played his first three games with a crunch. And that'll be that as he gets uh, involved in the trade uh, along with a first round pick going to San Jose. And so two first round picks and a former first round draft pick over the last couple of weeks being moved by the Lightning to get in two uh, depth forwards for the organization, hoping to make a run to the Stanley Cup. Blake Coleman coming in from New Jersey and now Barclay Goodrow coming in from San Jose. Obviously adding to the forward depth, which is good news uh, for the organization. Also good news for the crunch. In total, the Lightning sending out, like we said, the two draft picks. Nolan Foote, who was, uh, uh, well, obviously related to crunch defenseman Cal Foote, but uh, was not really slated for Syracuse this year because Kelowna, the team he plays for, is hosting the Memorial Cup. And so he's going to be there for well most of uh, the year. Really, the only way he would have joined the Crunch is if the Cruncher in the Calder Cup Finals. And then at that point, who knows if he joins the roster and joins the lineup at that point. Now, a couple of years ago, back in 2017, there was a similar scenario with current Lightning forward Anthony Sorelli. He was playing in the Memorial Cup uh, and then joined the uh, Crunch for their playoff run just as the Crunch were getting sent for the Calder Cup Finals. And he played all six games of the Calder Cup Finals that year for the Crunch. Uh, so it is it definitely feasible, but I don't think Nolan Foote was in the plans. Well, definitely not at most of the year, at least, for the Crunch. So that trade with the first-round pick and Foote going to Tampa Bay did not affect the Crunch. This latest one does, like we said, Anthony Greco going back. But at the end of the day, when you look at where the Crunch, as their team is currently composed, at the end of the trade deadline day, at the end of Monday, they're a stronger team than they were at the start of the day. And they were a pretty good team at the start of the day. But now, with the Lightning bringing in two more forwards, Mitchell Stevens, who has had a wonderful first uh, couple months in the National Hockey League, really establishing himself as an NHL player, well, he is kind of that odd man out. And with the trade deadline on Monday, there's the rules with the NHL. And if you are not on an American Hockey League roster by the 3 o'clock deadline, you were not eligible to play in the playoffs. So at the start of the day, you were, you know, the big question at the start of Monday was who were the Lightning, you know, send down or at least put on the transactions with the paper transaction, whether they physically return to Syracuse or not. Really, the, the one that was a given would have been Cameron Gauntz. And of course, that was uh, done pretty early in the day by the Lightning. The other one, the only other question was maybe, maybe Mitchell Stevens would have been put on at least as a paper transaction to make him eligible to come down to the crunch at some point. Well, that did happen later on in the day as well, but we weren't sure if it was a paper transaction or if it would be the real thing. And now it turns out to be the real thing because of the two additional forwards that come to the Lightning over the last uh, week and a half, two weeks or so, uh, which makes uh, it makes it harder to make the uh, the lineup, obviously, if you're a, a rookie like Mitchell Stevens. And, and those two players, the Coleman and the Goudreau, who were added for the Lightning over the last two weeks, are playoff performers and, and guys who uh, have been in the league a little bit longer and add a little bit of that physicality. And as Julian Breesbois said uh, in his post-deadline uh, news conference, makes the Lightning a harder team to take out of the playoffs with the addition of those two. So, at the end of deadline day, the Crunch get Mitchell Stevens back down, and they get Cameron Gauntz back down, and both have, were confirmed to be physical moves, not paper transactions, but players who are physically coming back to Syracuse. And so, when uh, you, you look at things, the net transaction was the Crunch lose Anthony Greco, they gain Mitchell Stevens, and... Uh, you know, Greco, who was only here for three games, he didn't get a great sense of the player he could be. He's a really talented player. He can fly. But the Crunch also get back Mitchell, Mitchell Stevens, who is maybe not as fast, but he is in that same ballpark that Anthony Greco is in in terms of his speed, and he's got that compete, the, the grit. He's a center, which is very important for the Crunch, and he is going to be a big-time re-addition to the Syracuse team. He was the Crunch's best forward at the time of his recall back in December. He got recalled right before the Crunch went on that four-game road trip and made a great case and made his stance in Tampa Bay and certainly is deserving of where he is right now in terms of of likely being very much in the uh, the cards next year when the Lightning, as everyone knows, have that big cap crunch 
and they're going to need some young players and players on very team-friendly contracts and entry-level contracts will be a big part of that. And Mitchell Stevens will be uh, very much in the fold next year for the Lightning, uh, but he is back down for the crunch and expect him to see significant minutes for Syracuse, monster minutes, all scenarios, power play, penalty kill, face-offs, uh, you name it, he's going to be a significant factor for the crunch here down the stretch. And uh, when you get you look at the, the moves over the last week, uh, which affected the crunch, Martel for Greco. Greco came in, played three games, and really, at the end of the day, it's Martel slash Greco for Stevens uh, in terms of what the crunch have. And that's a pretty big win for the crunch. Not, again, taking nothing away from Donick Martel, nothing away from Anthony Greco. But Mitchell Stevens, uh, we've seen him over the, the couple of years he's been with the crunch can be an excellent player in the American Hockey League, uh, and we'll see what he can do here moving forward. But I think that's a big-time boost for the crunch, uh, getting Stevens back here, uh, heading for the stretch run with a quarter of the season to go. Now, again, who knows? Maybe he does get called up again at some point um, and, uh, you know, headed towards the, the playoffs for the Lightning. If uh, if they need another body, there's, a, there's now three forwards here who have seen, two of them at least have seen significant time with the Lightning. Another one has... Uh, been up and down a couple of times this year. Matthew Joseph, Alex Volkov, and Mitchell Stevens. Those are three pretty good uh, potential call-ups at some point for the Lightning, in particular Joseph and Stevens, who have have established themselves as NHL players. Volkov is still trying to to find his way when he's gotten his couple of call-ups to the Lightning. Uh, but that's uh, you know that's pretty good. And if you're a, a Tampa Bay uh, fan and if you're a Crunch fan, you get Mitchell Stevens back down uh, for this stretch run. And then of course uh, the Lightning also made a, a signing right before the deadline. That was defenseman Zach Bogosian. We saw the news uh, hitting Twitter and and uh, all the the reports when we were on our way back from Springfield. Uh, Zach Bogosian signing with the uh, with the uh, the Lightning, and so that adds to the defensive depth for Tampa Bay. That, of course, means Cameron Gauntz is also rejoining the Crunch, and he'll be here for likely the stretch run of the season for Syracuse. Gauntz got a couple of games up with Tampa Bay during his uh, recent uh, recall with the Lightning. Obviously, uh, Tampa, as we know, has been dealing with some injuries on the blue line. Ryan McDonough, Jan Ruta, um, Eric Chernak recently been uh, going out day-to-day is what we've heard with that. So a little thin on the blue line. Zach Bogosian has an opportunity to, to at least get some games and see if he'll be a good fit on the Tampa Bay blue line. And so that means Cameron Gauntz, who has been the Crunch's most steady and reliable defenseman for most of the year before his call-up. And we know the veteran presence he brings, the leadership he brings to the Crunch, He's coming back, and he'll be here for the uh, crunch uh, the rest of the way, it looks like, or at least uh, at least to start this final quarter of the season for the crunch. I mean, you never know with injuries up top with the lightning and whatnot, but Gauntz has had a very nice year in Syracuse after a career year last year, 28 points this year for the crunch, 47 games played for Syracuse, and a plus-9 rating, which is uh, among the best on the team. The crunch, as we know, have uh, been a little up and down for most of the season, and, uh, you know, their success has come and gone and come and gone. And uh, they have allowed a lot of goals this year. But Cameron Gauntz has been a very steady, reliable defenseman. It's part of the reason why he is one of the big-time leaders of this team. And it was a big-time signing to re-sign Cameron Gauntz before free agency really even kicked off this past summer. So 47 games for the Crunch this year and 28 points. Also three games with the Lightning, and he had four points. So uh, the point per game, Cameron Gauntz, uh, of course, Cameron got some games up as a forward. We saw some shifts as a forward uh, during his uh, brief call up with the Lightning. So uh, that will not happen when he gets back with a crunch. He'll be back on the blue line. And we talked about the injuries and uh, there's been injuries up front and on the back end for the crunch. As we know, Luke Witkowski has been hurt most of the the last uh, couple of months. He has returned and, and that's part of the reason why the crunch have steadied their game and have made this recent surge to get back into a playoff position. And now you you look at Cameron Gaunt's back in that blue line as well. And the question is, who do you take out of that top six on the blue line for the crunch? Uh, yeah, they, they've, you know, they've got a couple of the big names. You throw Gaunt's in there. You've got Luke Witkowski, Ben Thomas, Dominic Machine, and Cal Foot, those are five really solid defensemen. The other two, if you take Gaunt's out, the two other defensemen have been playing most of the uh, the the recent stretch for the Crunch 
Logan Rowe, and Devontae Stevens. Stevens was acquired in a trade earlier this year with the Sabres organization. Uh, it looked more like a depth defenseman uh, trade more than anything. Matt Spencer and Devontae Stevens flopping teams. Spencer was down in the ECHL. Devontae Stevens was hurt most of the year, but he was also in the ECHL. But really, since that trade, Devontae Stevens has been part of the three pairs for the crunch almost every game. He's been out once or twice, but for the most part, he's been in there. He's been playing pretty well, been pretty solid for the crunch. Uh, so he is one of that bottom, you know, borderline guys now when you throw Cameron Gauntz back in there. The other one is Logan Rowe. Rowe signed a PTL with the crunch uh, almost a month ago at this point, a couple weeks back. He is up from the Florida Everblades of the ECHL, and he's also had a very quiet, calm game, nothing flashy about it, and that's something he talked about uh, a couple days ago with uh, with us. Just nice, simple, trying to really, for the most part, you don't want to notice him. That's what he says. You don't want, He wants to make sure he's not really being overly noticed out there, and that's a good thing if you're a defenseman making the plays that you need to make, don't do anything crazy, and again, he's been pretty steady for the crunch. So one of those two, with the addition of Cameron Gons, will be coming out of the lineup, but now you have an extra depth defenseman to, to keep around. You've got at least seven healthy defensemen, assuming you keep both of those guys, whoever does not stay in the lineup for the crunch. And then further down the line, you've got a couple of other defensemen who are injured, Nolan Valu. And more importantly, Patrick Seeloff, who have both been out now for a couple of weeks. If you think of, you know, down the line towards the last couple of weeks of the year, and who knows how long. We know Valu is more of a long-term injury. Seeloff has been close to returning, we've been told, multiple times, but he has not hit the ice yet. So that's really not a great sign of things to come for him. But let's just ponder and say that Seeloff returns within the next couple of weeks. And there are no other further injuries. Nothing else really changes on the crunch blue line. Suddenly, you're looking at a blue line that would consist of potential pairings of Cameron Gauntz and Luke Witkowski. Pretty good top pairing if you're looking at a team defensively. Dominic Machine and Cal Foote, who've been paired together for the last couple of weeks. And Patrick Seeloff and Ben Thomas. That's a really good six-player blue line for the crunch. That's the potential. Now, again. We don't know what's going to happen moving forward with injuries and whatnot, and Seeloff is still currently out with an injury, but say he gets back, all of a sudden that crunch blue line, that defensive group for Syracuse, looks a heck of a lot better than it did a couple of, about a month or two ago when Witkowski was hurt. He had some question marks. Uh, Seeloff was not in the organization yet at that point. Now this team is seems to be uh, starting to coalesce around uh, that that group. And if you can throw Seeloff back in the mix at some point down the stretch, it would only get stronger for the crunch. But again, don't want to take anything away from the way Devontae Stevens and Logan Rowe have been playing either. They've been filling in admirably. And that's a part of the current trend for this team. Guys filling in, stepping up with different roles. The crunch have been dealing with a lot of injuries and a lot of significant injuries. And of late, the guys who've been stepping in have done a big time, uh, have had big performances and have helped carry this team to currently a playoff spot. With that, we'll break. We'll come on back and discuss the guys who've been stepping in those roles and what else the Crunch have been doing well of late to surge with points in nine of their last 10 into the fourth and final playoff spot for now in the North Division. We'll come on back with Crunch Time in just a moment. Get to that next, right here on Lightning Power Play. Welcome back to Crunch Time with your host, Lucas Favalli on Lightning Power Play. We are back here in Syracuse as we continue with another edition of Crunch Time. Great to have you here today from Upstate Medical University Arena, home of the Crunch, AHL affiliate of the Tampa Bay Lightning as we continue to talk all things Syracuse Crunch Hockey. We were talking about uh, the trade deadline just a few moments ago and how that impacted the Crunch. And really, at the end of the day, if you're a Crunch fan, I think things could have been a heck of a lot worse than the way they turned out, uh, at least for the immediate future uh, in this current season. Looking down the line a bit with the way Tampa Bay has traded some of their uh, prospects and and uh, potential prospects with a couple of first-round picks and Nolan Foote, yeah, the, maybe the, the next couple of years might be a little leaner, but 
Obviously, the Lightning are going all in for this year and the next couple of years and making these deals with that in mind, and that's what you'd expect. And like I said, at the end of the day, the Crunch really, especially this year, their roster is virtually intact uh, with the only player who was on their roster before the deadline. Well, I guess there was two of them, although they only took up one roster spot. Donick Martell was here last week, got traded. Brought in a different forward, a lefty for a righty, basically two very similar players between Martel and Anthony Greco. But then Greco actually traded, and uh, no one in terms of players immediately coming back to the crunch, except for the two that were already in the organization. Mitchell Stevens coming down as a forward and Cameron Gons coming down as a defenseman. So uh, that at the end of the day is really the only impact on this current crunch team, which when you consider what the possibilities could have been, that is good news. I mean, it keeps their top top players here, the the Alex Barre Boulez, a couple of the young prospects who are really blossoming, like the Ross Coltons, the Taylor Radishes, the Boris Kachuks, Cal Foote. I mean, y- y- there are a lot of names who could have provided some trade interest or trade value uh, who are important players on this crunch team. And, and the only one that gets traded away was a guy who was here for, what, four days? That's Anthony Greco. So you've got to be pleased if you're a crunch fan with the way this Roster is still in shape and primed for a potential run here over the final quarter of the season. That's where the Crunch are right now. 19 games to go. And with a recent stretch, Crunch at 26, 22, 4, and 5, up to 61 points. And with that, they're in a final playoff position at the moment in the North Division, which is very significant. Yeah, we know there's still uh, there are still 19 games to go. Still a quarter of the season to play, which is a lot of hockey. But... Like I said, you'd rather be in that spot in the playoffs as opposed to out of the playoffs. And you look ahead of the crunch. I mean, team right ahead of them in the standings, Utica, only two points ahead of Syracuse. So the crunch are not only holding on to that playoff spot with a three-point lead right now over Binghamton and Laval entering the week. They have put a lot of standings pressure on the team right ahead of them in the standings as well, the Utica Comets. Now, all of the teams in the division have at least one game in hand on the crunch entering this week. Utica, for example has a two-point lead on the crunch, and they have played three fewer games. So that obviously will play a factor down the stretch. So will the head-to-head meetings. And the two teams that have the most games in hand, Utica with three, Toronto, who's down right now in seventh place, but is probably the team that's still most dangerous in terms of lurking and the potential for them to make a run. They have four games in hand on the crunch. They are four points back with four games in hand. Uh, Toronto technically has the fourth best points percentage in the division at 538. So that just tells you what they could potentially do if they win those games in hand. Now, that's easier said than done. The Marlies lost some pieces, got some pieces. So, I mean, this whole division got uh, blasted by trades. Binghamton had some pieces go out. They brought in a lot of draft picks. They brought in a couple of other players. The Devils are going to be tough out. Laval, I think, was the team that got most... uh, most beat up, I guess, at the trade deadline by Montreal. Uh, the Canadians trading a couple of their players really didn't bring anyone back in. And uh, at the end of the day, they're going to they're gonna need a big push if they want to make the playoffs in the North Division. So I think you're looking at the crunch, and they're really competing with Binghamton and Toronto, I think, uh, for that final playoff spot. Plus, like we said, the Comets are still in play for the crunch. Vancouver's making a push for the playoffs. We'll see what they do in terms of calling people up down the stretch. A big trade in the division as we kind of shuffle away from the crunch for a moment here. Then we'll get back into uh, what the crunch are doing and the players who've had an impact on Syracuse here of late. Uh, but one of the big trades within the North Division teams, at least, in the American Hockey League, from the NHL clubs, but affecting the American Hockey League's uh, divisional race, took place between Vancouver and New Jersey. A goalie trade between those two teams. Two goalies that, as of the deadline, were in the American Hockey League. Louis Domingue was in Binghamton for the Devils. Of course, a a former uh, Crunch and Lightning goaltender, Domingue. And Zane McIntyre was in Utica with the Comets. And those two were swapped. Hearing reports about uh, an injury up in Vancouver. And so that's why the... Canucks needed a, I guess, more reliable backup goaltender or third goaltender in the organization. Zane McIntyre has not had a great year uh, for the Comets this year. Their rookie goaltender, Michael DiPietro, has actually really seized the number one job. But for now, Domingue joins the organization. And if everyone gets healthy up top and Domingue shuffles back down to Utica, boy, the Comets, who already have a lethal offensive attack with some of the top scorers in the league, 
can suddenly have a very good goaltender in there as well, and they'd be a very, very difficult opponent in the Calder Cup playoffs if that's all how that shapes up. And, of course, uh, Binghamton is relying on goaltending as well. And, uh, I mean, Corey Schneider's been very good. It looks like, for now, Schneider is going to stand for the NHL with Deming being traded out. Zane McIntyre, like we just said, has not had a great year with the Comets. He's been okay. Maybe a change of scenery, plus a pretty good team in front of him will help him uh, find his game, and and that's what Binghamton will need. Their goaltending has been, if it's good, Binghamton's really good. If it's struggled, they have struggled this year, and that's uh, what we're looking at at the moment in the North Division. So from top to bottom, I mean, Belleville, it, it just looks dominant. They have such a powerful team. Ottawa continues to make trades to get in even more draft picks and more prospects. Uh, they got Matthew Pekka, who was with the Laval Rocket, they brought, they brought in Matthew Pecka. He's going to be up in Ottawa, it looks like, but still another former Crunch and Lightning player on the move uh, on the deadline day. Uh, but Belleville looks really tough, and they're going to probably continue to be very tough uh, for the next couple of years as long as they continue to have all these draft picks and prospects washing through Belleville and getting up to Ottawa. So that's uh, the, the toughest team right now in the division, the Belleville Senators. They are first overall of the Eastern Conference. And they are second overall in the American Hockey League. Rochester still in second place. Uh, Buffalo made some moves, uh, but nothing really significant. I don't think that'll affect the Amherst, but we'll have to wait and see with that. Uh, Rochester is such a tough team to get a read on, too. They they have been such a roller coaster team. They've got really good talent, great depth. But they go through great ups and just terrible downs. And it's just a matter of what uh, mood they're in, I guess, in terms of where they'll be. They've been very inconsistent at the end of the day. That's what it is. But they're still in second place and only seven points out of that division lead behind Belleville. And Utica's in third. The Crunch, however, are in fourth. And that's where we turn our attention to once again. Back to where the Crunch have uh, had some success here of late. They head into the fourth and final quarter of the season on a very good run. Points in nine of their last ten games. At 6-1, one, 1-2 one over the last nine. Coming through a 3-3 three three weekend, collecting five out of six possible points. And just the one regulation loss of late, uh, which is a great run for the Crunch. Uh, very, very impressive. Uh, and when you consider, I know we were talking before the break about some of the injuries the Crunch have been managing and working through. Same with Tampa Bay. The Lightning managing the injuries, which have brought up a player, uh, Cameron Gons, from the Crunch. Uh, recently, the Crunch have been working through injuries of their own. On uh, the blue line, we mentioned and already talked about kind of in length uh, how the Crunch blue line has been hampered by injuries all year, starting with Luke Witkowski, who missed uh, almost two months with an injury. Uh, then you, you currently have Nolan Valu out. Patrick Seeloff is hurt. Blue line has been hit hard, but it's still holding up and playing its best hockey as a collective group all year long. So that's great. Forwards, on the other hand, have also been hit by injury, and the Crunch offense has tapered down a bit. They've still generated a lot of opportunities, but their scoring is down. Yeah, they put up six against Cleveland on Friday night to start the weekend. Only two, the final two games of the weekend, two in a 2-1 win against Cle uh, against uh, Lehigh Valley, I should say, on Saturday night. And then a 3-2 overtime loss in Springfield on Sunday. So the offense is slumping just a little bit. And we'll take you through the third quarter numbers of the year, that 19-game stretch, where we kind of, you know, just take it, if you break down the season in those quarters, 19 games, 19 games, 19 games, and 19 games, we'll take a look at what the numbers show us from this most recent 19-game stretch, where obviously the Crunch has started to find their game. But the offense has slumped a bit, and that's because of some of the injuries. They're missing Corey Conacher, who is an elite scorer as we all know in the American Hockey League and one of the top scorers in franchise history for the Crunch, top five all time in Crunch history with over 200 points. He's at 204 points right now, but he has missed in the last couple of weeks. And the Crunch uh, would obviously love to get him back. Uh, Conacher now has missed, looking back at things, 10 games in a row. And obviously that's a stretch where the Crunch have collected nine points or uh, points in nine of the 10, which is very impressive. And that's, not to take a shot at Corey Conacher, because obviously Corey is very important to this team, and he's going to be a big part of the team uh, when he gets back in. But in the 10 games he's missed with injury here over the last couple of weeks, the Crunch have played their best hockey of the year, 6-1, 1-2 over those 10 games. So 
it's impressive to see the Crunch filling different roles, finding ways to survive without him. And then more recently, Crunch have been without one of their other top players, Jamel Smith. He's missed the last four with an injury. He got hit hard uh, last weekend, and not this previous 3-3 weekend, but the week before, got hit hard along the boards, Kind of looked like his either shoulder or head went along the boards and he went down, hunched over immediately to the dressing room and has not seen action since. Uh, The most recent report was it was not as significant an injury as they had potentially feared, but I have not seen Jamel Smith on the ice yet uh, since going down against the Amherst a couple of weeks back. So those are two significant and very, very good and talented offensive pieces that the Crunch are missing. If they get those two back, plus the returns of, you know, the Mitchell Stevens now, that is a very powerful offensive team again. All, Crunch are also missing Dennis Yon. He missed, uh, or he went out just over the weekend, uh, got hurt on Friday night against Cleveland, did not play Saturday or Sunday, got hit up high, which was a pretty dirty hit by Adam Clendenning, um, kind of a face shot, a head shot by uh, Clendenning. Uh, Yon went out did not return the rest of the night was cut in i think multiple places uh, but did not return the rest of the weekend either so keep an eye on the uh, the potential returns of jan smith and conacher to join a very good offensive team right now um in terms of at least names like we said the production has not fully been there but one guy driving the bus this past week was alex barry but like, he stepped up in a big way very impressive week for him we'll dive into his week a little later on. But some of the other guys, some of the youngsters have stepped up as well for the crunch. Not necessarily in terms of production, but getting big, meaningful minutes. And in some cases, production. Peter Abantanato, who has been uh, pretty impressive here uh, since returning from Orlando a couple of weeks ago. Uh, in fact, he returned uh, that game in Bridgeport, which starts and has started this current 10-game run. And in the 10 games, which the crunch have Points in nine of them. He has five goals. Make that four goals and five points. Four goals, one assist, five points for Peter Abandonado. He had a big goal in Bridgeport. He scored two more goals on Friday against Cleveland, including his third game-winning goal of the year against the Monsters. He had four goals in the season series against Cleveland, and three of them turned into game-winning goals. Remember, he started his career way back at the start of the season Crunch, first game of the year was in Rochester. Didn't have a point in the game against the Amherst for the Crunch, which uh, Rochester ended up winning in overtime. The next weekend, the second weekend of the year, the Crunch went to Cleveland against the Monsters, against the team that knocked the Crunch out of the playoffs. The Crunch swept that two-game series, and Peter Bondonato scored a pair of goals, one on the first game on a Friday, the next one on a Saturday. Both of them were game-winning goals. And now he's out of the third. He got four goals in total in the series, Pretty impressive stuff from Peter Abandonado in his uh, first season against Cleveland. The Crunch sweep the season series with the Monsters, and Abandonado was a big part of that. So he has really stepped up. He looks more authoritative, just a little bit more comfortable this time around uh, after his most recent recall from Orlando uh, down in the ECHL. And that's the last 10 games uh, since he's returned to the Crunch. It played very well. Jimmy Huntington still still doesn't have a goal but he has come so close you know it's coming he has been playing pretty solidly for the crunch he was a healthy scratch for a couple of games but got back in there as well uh he's part of that rookie line right now which was complimented by alexei lipinov who got a couple of games over the weekend he was a healthy scratch on sunday when the crunch uh brought up a new forward from orlando sign uh tyler bird to a pto uh, bird made his ahl debut against the uh the Thunderbirds was relatively unremarkable for the Crunch. Uh, didn't do anything glaringly wrong, but didn't really stand out offensively either. But, I mean, that was the fourth line as a whole. They were just, I mean, didn't have their greatest game of the year. Weren't bad, weren't great. As the Crunch dropped the weekend finale against the Thunderbirds 3-2 to in overtime. But those are the guys really stepping up down down the lineup a bit. You know, the that depth scoring uh, the uh, getting those at the end of the day, Ben Gru likes and tries to roll out his four lines as much and as consistently as possible. And when he's got his fourth line playing as well as it has been recently, really the anchor of that line has been Daniel Walcott. 
Um, and the last couple of games, because of some of the injuries, he has been shifted up from the fourth line, and he's been playing really well. I mean, you can you cannot talk enough about Daniel Walcott. We'll talk about him on the other side of the break as well. He and Alex Barry Belay will be our focus uh, when we come on back in a moment. But uh, Ben Grew likes to roll his lines. And right now, everyone seems to have found the roles and are filling those roles properly. And that's been a driving factor for the crunch. And part of the reason why they, for the first time since October, are in a playoff spot in the North Division. Still, though, 19 games to go in the regular season for the crunch. We'll see what they can do over those final 19 games and see if they can make a push to the Calder Cup playoffs. Okay, we'll step aside here one final time on Crunch Time. On the other side of the break, we will discuss the huge week for Alex Barry Boulay, Daniel Walcott's recent surge, and the final quarter of the year coming for the Crunch. And so we'll look back at the third quarter of the season and why it was a successful one for Syracuse. That and more coming up in our final segment of Crunch Time next on Lightning Power Play. Welcome back to Crunch Time with your host, Lucas Favalli on Lightning Power Play. We are back here in Syracuse at Upstate Medical University Arena, home of the Crunch, as we continue with another edition of Crunch Time. Great to have you here, final week of February. Amazing, this year is flying by, and even more amazing is the fact that the Crunch only have 19 games to go in the regular season. Isn't that something? We are now officially from a crunch perspective at least, three quarters of the way through the regular season. And the crunch, as we have been discussing, are for the first time since October in a playoff position in the North Division. Last time the crunch held a spot within the playoff line, which is the top four in each division in the American Hockey League, was October 18th. At the time, the Crunch were 2-1-1-0. <laughs> so it's been a long, long time uh, since the Crunch have been inside the playoff line in the North Division. Crunch have points in nine of the last ten games. They are 6-1-1-2 in that span. That is on the heels of what was a four-game winless streak. Scratch that. Five-game winless streak, which brought the Crunch under 500. The first time this year, they were 20, 21, 3, and 3. That was back on uh, at the end of their uh, game against Providence on February 1st. Since then, the Crunch have been very good, and they have put themselves back not only above 500, but like we said, inside the playoff line in the North Division. And we've talked about how they've been able to man- manage some of that. They've gotten some great production from uh, one of their top players, and he is their leading scorer, Alex Barre-Boulet. But they've done all of this with some injuries and call-ups to Tampa Bay. And so it has been a little bit of a mix and match terms of getting lines and chemistry and things of that nature together for the Crunch. But they've done a nice job of fighting through all of that and uh, right now putting themselves in a spot in the playoffs. Again, still a quarter of the year to go. That's a lot of hockey left here in the regular season, the Crunch have two games coming up this weekend against Wilkes-Barre Scranton, which is a team in the Atlantic Division, which is currently battling for a playoff spot. They are two points out of an Atlantic Division playoff position uh, on the other side. And then against the Rochester Americans on Saturday before they start a four-game road trip, or at least four consecutive road games, and they are critical road games. Two at Toronto next weekend, uh, then uh, Utica and Rochester after that. I mean, can you... Imagine four more important games coming up for the Crunch than those four. Well, every game is important, I guess, at this point of the year uh, in the standings. We've been talking a lot about the trade deadline and how that affects teams uh, in the American Hockey League as well. And it is always a, you know, it's tough being a fan of the American Hockey League and, and working for an American Hockey League team. You just never know day in and day out. I mean, at the end of the day, the results that you get at this level are driven in large part based on your National Hockey League affiliate. And the Crunch have been very fortunate over the years to have such a great partner with the Tampa Bay Lightning. There's no doubt about it. The Crunch have had their most successful, best years during this run since the start of the 2012-13 season when the affiliation began. You all know the Crunch have gone to two Calder Cup finals in that span. They've won a couple of division championships. Back-to-back 100-point seasons the last two years 
Three years ago, they were in the Calder Cup Finals. Then 100 points two years ago, 102 points last year. This year has been a little bit more of a struggle, but they have been fighting through the adversity, and it's something that Bengaluru has talked about, making this team better, fighting through some of the adversity they've gone through throughout the course of the year. But your success will be dictated in part based on what your NHL affiliate does. And the trade deadline is one of those precarious times for a lot of AHL teams where you really don't know what's going to happen. And once again, the Crunch have been pretty much virtually left intact. In fact, they've got a couple of players back down from Tampa Bay at the trade deadline. We've talked about that. Cameron Gauntz and Mitchell Stevens returning. The only piece leaving the Crunch and leaving the organization in terms of a player is Anthony Greco, who just barely joined the organization a week ago in a separate trade, which sent Donick Martell out to the Panthers organization and brought in Anthony Greco. So uh, really, if you're a Crunch fan, you got to be happy. Look at some of the other teams that got hit hard. We talked about some of the North Division teams, but there is no other team in the American Hockey League that got hit worse than the Charlotte Checkers. Charlotte is the reigning Calder Cup champion. They were having another very good year. Got off to a terrible start this year. Uh, they had they lost their head coach. They had a lot of pieces from last year's championship team leave the organization onto other organizations, which is what you'd expect from a team that won a championship. They got off to a slow start. Then they really started to hit their stride in middle of December, and they've been one of the better teams in the league since. They've got 30 wins. They are at the moment, in a playoff spot in the Atlantic Division. But my goodness, did they get hammered. First of all, the whole hockey world, and really everybody knows the story about the Hurricanes goaltending situation in Toronto over the weekend when they had a call-in an emergency goaltender, the Zamboni driver, who ended up winning the game for the Hurricanes against the Leafs. Well, they had a couple of injuries, obviously, to their goaltending, and so both Checkers goaltenders called up. That's just the start. All of the trades that Carolina did on deadline day also really just picked apart the Checkers team. And so, again, if you're a Crunch fan, you could look around the league and see a lot of these teams got really beat up. Just look at the Charlotte Checkers. They lost a couple of their top defensemen, one of their top forwards, uh, their two goaltenders. I mean, man, did they get hammered at the deadline because the Carolina Hurricanes making some big moves for their playoff push up top. So I guess, again, when you look at things, Crunch, if you're a fan of the Crunch, you got to be pretty pleased with where you stand. And and at the end of the day, if the Crunch can get healthy, oh, they've got a really talented roster uh, for the final quarter of the season. But that is, again, a big if. You heard Julian Breesbaud talk about, uh, you know, the, the, the process now that the NHL trade, trade deadline is done. Now looking for ways to improve the Crunch. Uh, before the AHL trade deadline. That's what Julian Breesbaugh, general manager of the Lightning, said during his post-trade deadline uh, press conference on Monday. So, again, if you're a Crunch fan, got to be very pleased with uh, the state of the Crunch right now and what it might mean moving forward and and the fact that, as we know, I mean, it it shouldn't come to a surprise to anyone here, uh, whether you're a Lightning fan, whether you follow the Crunch closely, whether you follow them from afar, It has been apparent since day one that the Lightning care very much about what happens in Syracuse, the success in Syracuse, and once again, this trade deadline kind of proved all of that with the moves they made and and really not tinkering at all with the Lightning, I should say, with the Crunch roster outside of the one we mentioned, moving Anthony Greco out, but the Crunch got a couple of pieces back because of all of that, so... Um, good for the crunch and we'll see what they can do here. The final quarter of the year, but the third quarter of the year was the story of Alex Barre Boulay, who we've been talking about quite a bit. Also Daniel Walcott, those two part of the driving force for the crunch's recent stretch. How about Alex Barre Boulay though, this past week crunch from the three and three to the start of the week, which was Monday played four games from Monday through Sunday. That's kind of how the AHL breaks down weeks. And he was outrageously good. He, before that, had gone in a four-game scoring drought, which doesn't sound like a ton, but it's tied for the longest of his career. This one came from February 8th to February 15th. Remember those dates. February 8th through February 14th. I beg your pardon, February 15th. Last year, his other four-game scoring drought in his career was February 10th, 
to February 16th. So almost the exact same portion of the schedule, almost the exact same dates, almost a year ago to the day he went on a four-game drought. The rest of the year for him was great. 25 games played, he had 27 points. 13 goals and 14 assists. That tied for fourth overall in the American Hockey League in that span from the rest of the season on. 27 points in 25 games he tied with, well, his teammate last year, current Lightning forward Carter Verhage. Only a couple of players, Jeremy Bracco, who had 29 points for Toronto, Cal O'Reilly for Iowa had 29 points, and TJ Tynan had 28 points for Chicago. Those are the only players who had more than Alex Barre-Boulay. And as we know, uh, BB went on to tie for the goal-scoring lead with Carter Verhage in terms of the overall lead uh, in the American Hockey League, winning the year, or sharing the Willie Marshall Award. He also was awarded Rookie of the Year as the most outstanding rookie, the Dudley Red Garrett Memorial Award. So... We'll see, but that was what he did at the end of last year after going on a four-game drought. This year, he had those four scoreless in a row. Then on Monday, following that, in Belleville, he had two points, a goal and an assist. All right, back on track for BB. There you go. Well, he was not done that week. On Friday night against Cleveland, he had a shining performance, a sterling five points for Alex Barre-Boulay, tied for the most by a crunch player, during the Lightning affiliation. And the other player who did that was Taylor Radish, who did it a season ago in the Crunch's 10-1 route of the Utica Comets on December 28, 2018. That's the largest win in franchise history, by the way, for the Crunch. And uh, Taylor Radish had five points that day. Well, Alex barre Belay with two goals, three assists, and a five-point performance for himself that is obviously a career high, and it is one of the... Best performances we've seen by a crunch player in years in terms of a single game performance in the regular season. Great stuff by him. That gave him, from Monday through Friday, the crunch scored eight goals. He had a hand on seven of them. Three goals and four assists. (laughs) Not bad. Then he picked up right where he left off and did it again against the Phantoms on Saturday. Opened the scoring for the crunch with a rebound goal as uh, the crunch would win that game 2-1. to one. So, eight points in three games for him to start the week. He was held off the score sheet against Springfield on Sunday to wrap up the 3-3, three and three, but four games after going four scoreless, eight points over the next four, and he's right back on track to where he wants to be. One of the top scorers in the American Hockey League, as you'd expect, right now at 52 points entering the week, tied, uh, I should say, uh, fifth overall, not tied, straight up fifth overall, In the American Hockey League, 23 goals and 29 assists. Right back on track for Alex Barre-Boulay. Meanwhile, while he's been doing all of that, another player has been a very significant factor as well. And that, of course, is Daniel Walcott, who has been a fourth liner for the Crunch pretty much all season long. He's been credited with some of the uh, very positive development steps of some of the youngsters, like a Jimmy Huntington, a Peter Abantanado, an Otto Sampi, guys who have been on that fourth line with Daniel Walcott this year have gotten better. And he's made it kind of, uh, it, it makes it makes the, the whoever's on that line makes him feel at home, makes it feel like it's a big thing to be on that fourth line. Here we go. We're going to have a big night tonight. Lineys, buddies, let's go, let's go. You, you hear them downstairs when I go down into the, uh, you know, the players, the dressing room or whether they're warming up or whatever. And he, he makes a big thing about it. Like, this, you're my lineie tonight. Let's go. That's how we play. This is what we're going to do. And you can just tell the guys feel more comfortable because of that. It's not, he, he makes a situation very encouraging and very welcoming for whoever is on his line. And then they go to work and they've had some very solid games. He's been playing really well. I mean, this is the best I think we've seen Daniel Walcott play in his career. He is Fully engaged again as a forward. Remember, he had a couple of games as a defenseman. They're really a game in a, what, two games skating as a defenseman with the Crunch were really banged up in the blue line. I know we've talked about that a little bit here on the show. Uh, but he has been very active. He made a great play on the Crunch's first goal and the game's first goal on Sunday in Springfield. Late in the first period, went in on the forecheck, stole the puck away, set up Cal Foot for the opening tally with 2.2 seconds to go in the opening period. And he's just mowing along. You know, he's not going to be a huge scorer for the Crunch, but in the last eight games, he's got five points. 
One goal and four assists for Daniel Walcott in that span. He's got career-high numbers already this season, and uh, you know what? He's playing very well. 50 games, 18 points for Daniel Walcott. Seven goals and 11 assists. Uh, you've got to be very pleased and very impressed with the way that Daniel Walcott has been playing this year. And uh, I think it's only a sign of things to come for him. He's doing a great job. He's one of the leaders of this team. And at the end of the day, he is a critical piece for the Crunch. Well, the Crunch will head into uh, the final quarter of the season playing their best hockey of the year. Points in nine of the last ten games. Uh, this past weekend, they get five out of six points. Two wins on home ice, including on Pride Night. If you haven't seen the Crunch's Pride Night jerseys yet, those rainbow jerseys, uh, they will be, uh, I, I'm sure, will be some of them were auctioned off right after the game, like we mentioned earlier. But the uh, others usually get up on the team store, and those will be uh, up for auction uh, usually the week after. So keep an eye on that this week if you are interested. Uh, really a great look, and it's obviously a great cause, raising awareness for the inclusion, making hockey a more inclusive environment. And the Crunch, very proud to be at the forefront of that, one of the first teams to wear those jerseys in a game in the American Hockey League. So, once again, very proud to be a part of this Crunch team, and uh, we'll see what happens moving forward as the Crunch hit the final quarter of the regular season. Crunch had a very solid third of the year, uh, the third quarter of the year, I should say. Uh, they, uh, In terms of their numbers, offense down just a bit. They had averaged in the second quarter of the year when they really, their results were not great. They averaged 3.63 goals per game in the second quarter of the year, but they gave up 3.84. Well, their goals scoring came down. It was their lowest scoring quarter of the season at just three goals per game over the 19 games. However, it was one of their best defensive months and uh, stretches of the year at 3.32 goals against per game in that span. Is that great? No. But the trend is certainly in a positive direction recently. The Crunch's defensive numbers have been a heck of a lot better. Scott Wedgwood had a shutout a couple of weeks ago, and during this run, the Crunch have only allowed more than uh, three goals three times in the most recent 10 games, which is a significant uh, step in the positive direction for the crunch. So we'll see what happens. The AHL trade deadline still a week away. That comes next Monday. We'll see if the crunch are active at the deadline. You heard general manager Julian Breesbaum mention that uh, during his post NHL trade deadline press conference that the Lightning are going to do what they can to make the crunch competitive and get the crunch into the playoffs once again. They've done it for a couple of years in a row now, all three years so far under crunch head coach Ben Grew. They'll try to make it four straight this year. And right now, they're in a playoff spot once again in the North Division. All right, that'll do it for us here on another edition of Crunch Time. Thanks so much for joining us. Hope you enjoy the program here today. We'll be back again next week with another edition wrapping up what is a two-week, a two-game week for the Crunch. They got Wilkes-Barre Scranton on Friday night, team that has been depleted a bit by trades already this week. And then the Rochester Americans on Saturday. For all of us with this Syracuse Crunch, I'm Lucas Favalli saying so long from Syracuse. We'll chat again next time with another edition of Crunch Time.